0: This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins from a Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Weekend, Faith Foundations 1. There is a Faith Foundations 2 class in level 2. And um, just like you heard, the reading assignment for this course is Bible Faith Study Course. Now the book has about 24 chapters. So you're required to read just the first 12 as a reading assignment for this course in their entirety. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to study your word. Thank you for this class. Thank you for students that are hungry, hungry to learn your word. We all are hungry. I ask, O oh God, that you fill us with the knowledge of your word. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we might walk worthy of you unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Thank you because our faith grows by leaps and bounds. Even as we take heed to your word. Listening to it attentively and putting it to practice in our lives. Thank you because we not only are blessed but we are also a blessing. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, to give a brief outline of how we'll be taking the course, first thing we'll look at will be the importance of faith, the importance of faith. Why are we studying the subject? How important is it? Why should we pay attention to it? Secondly, we'll look at what faith is, and then we'll talk about how faith comes How to turn your faith loose. And we'll talk about growing and developing in faith. Finally, we'll close by looking at hindrances to faith. Hindrances to faith. So first, the importance of faith. Second, what faith is. Third, how faith comes. Fourth, how to turn your faith loose. Fifth, growing and developing in faith. And last, hindrances to faith. Praise God. Obviously, we're starting by looking at the importance of faith. Why are we taking time to study the subject? How important really is this subject? Well, a number of reasons why we are studying the subject. Faith is a very important subject in the Bible. Is it the only subject? It's not. There are other subjects, but it's a very important one. And why do I say that? Number one, we know that it takes faith to get saved. It takes faith to get saved. A person can't get born again without faith. It takes faith to get saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So it takes faith to get saved. If a fellow can't get saved without faith, well, I want to pay attention to a subject like that. It takes faith to get saved. Well, second reason why faith is a very important subject in the Bible is that the Christian life is a life of faith. 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 Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. The Bible says there that the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Then we see the same thing repeated. Romans 1.17. Galatians 3.11. And Hebrews 10.38. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now who's the just? The righteous ones. Amen. The blood of Jesus makes us righteous. So that's talking about you. It's talking about me. So the way we're to live is by faith. It's to be a lifestyle. Something we live by. Amen. Second Corinthians five seven. The Bible says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So it's our life, it's our walk. Galatians two twenty. Paul said this, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. So we live our lives by faith, by the faith of the Son of God. So the Christian life is a faith life. It's a life of faith. That's how we are to live. Amen. So we said, number one, it takes faith to get saved. We said, number two, the Christian life is a life of faith. Number three, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I'm not the one that said that. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith, we can't please God. Amen. I know we all want our lives to be pleasing to God. If our lives are to bring God pleasure, they are to be lives of faith. Amen. Remember one time I was in the bathroom, and then the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I'll be more pleased with you if you had more faith and less good works and right conduct than I would. If you had more good works and right conduct and less faith. He said, in fact, the only good works and right conduct that please me are those that are the result of faith. That's what he said to me. And that's scriptural. I'll say that again. He said, I'll be more pleased with you if you had more faith and less good works and right conduct than I would if you had more good works and right conduct and less faith. He said, in fact, the only good works and right conduct that please me are those that are the result of faith. And that lines up with the Bible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith is what pleases God. Faith is what pleases God. Well, number four. Fourth reason why we say faith is such a very important Bible subject. It takes faith to resist the devil. It takes faith to resist the devil. It takes faith to resist the devil. Now we know what our position should be about the devil. We're not to yield to the devil. No. We're not to body up to the devil. No. He's not our friend. He's our enemy. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Seems to me as though some people's Bibles read that in reverse. It's as though their Bibles read, Submit yourselves therefore to the devil, resist God. But no, that's not what it says. We're to resist the devil. We're to resist the devil. But the question is, how do we resist the devil? 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, an adversary is an opponent. One arrayed against us, yet to the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now the American Standard Version there says, Whom resist steadfast in your faith. So faith has something to do with resisting the devil. There sometimes you tell him, Satan, no, I stand against you. Take your hands off my body. I rebuke these symptoms. And the, and the fellow does as if he has hearing problems. You know, what do you do at a time like that? You stay in faith. Ecclesiastes 8 4 says, Where the word of a king is his power. You just say, Well, the king has spoken. It has to be carried out. Amen. So faith has something to do with resisting the devil. Amen. It takes faith to resist the devil. It takes faith to resist the devil. Amen. So we said number one, it takes faith to get saved. Number two, the Christian life is a life of faith. We said number three, without faith it is impossible to please God. Number four, we said it takes faith to resist the devil. So faith obviously is pretty important. Well, number five, it takes faith to receive answers to our prayers. It takes faith to receive answers to our prayers. By faith that we receive answers to our prayers. Matthew 21, 22, The Bible says, And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Mark eleven, twenty-four. Therefore I say unto you, What things, soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. James 1. 5 to 8. James chapter 1, 5 to 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally to all men and upbraids not. He doesn't find fault. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not such a man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you notice he said, if you lack wisdom, ask. But ask in faith. He says, if you're wavering, don't think you'll receive anything. Wisdom, healing, finance, any other thing from him. Amen. Amen. So certainly, faith has something to do with getting our prayers answered. Now, let me ask. Have you done prayer principles one? Good. Now, you know that not every prayer is a prayer of faith, right? Nine different types of prayers you examined. Nine of them. Now, the prayer of faith is just one of them. Not every prayer is a prayer of faith, certainly. But every prayer should be prayed in faith. Amen. Amen. Takes faith to receive answers to our prayers. James 5, 14 and 15. It says, is any sick among you? Now, who's the person having the chest pain? Who's the person? You're having chest pain. Who are you? Pain on your chest. Who are you? All right, you're healed in Jesus' name. Yes. James 5, 14 and 15, he says, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. says, And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now notice, it's not the elders that save the sick. It's not the oil that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. Are you listening to me says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Amen. Now, another translation says, the prayer offered in faith shall save the sick. So, it takes faith to receive answers to our prayers. That's reason number five. We want to get our prayers answered, don't we? Sure. So, we better get a hold of faith and of the faith life. Number six. Sixth reason why we say faith is such an important Bible subject. It's by faith that we receive the blessings of God. It's by faith that we receive the blessings of God. It's by faith that we receive the blessings of God. It's by faith that we receive the blessings of God. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Legally in the mind of God, we have been blessed with every blessing that God has. First Corinthians 3:21 says, "All things are yours." Romans 8:17 says, "And if sons, then heirs; heirs of God and joint hairs with Christ." Galatians 4:7, "Wherefore ye are no longer servants, but sons, and if sons, hairs, hairs of God and joint hairs with Christ." the same thought. So yes, we have been blessed with every blessing that God has. But I don't know about you. I, I don't want to enjoy a blessing only, or I don't want the blessing to just be a legal fact. I want it to be an experiential reality, you know. Anybody here that you, you, you don't mind if you have money, but the money is in the bank, but here you are, you're hungry, and you can't spend it. Of what use is that kind of a money? See, legally, we have been blessed. We are blessed. In the mind of God, we are healed. Not just the church. Every single sick person legally has been healed. Because Jesus, when he took those stripes, there wasn't a single Christian. Are you listening? So Jesus died for the sicknesses as well as the diseases of the whole world. So healing legally belongs to every believer, even belongs to every sick man. But he doesn't just want it legally. He wants it vitally. He wants to experience it. You know, salvation belongs to the whole world. Jesus died not just for the church. He died for the world. There wasn't a church when Jesus died. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, John 3.16, believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So yes, we've been blessed. But how do we translate the blessings from a legal fact to a vital reality? That's by faith. Amen. Romans chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Are you listening to me? All of God's blessings are wrapped in the package of His grace. All of God's blessings, everything Jesus did in Christ it's in that word grace it's all wrapped up in God's grace but how do we access that grace it says by whom verse 2 of Romans 5 we have access by faith into this grace amen so our faith is our access into his grace we don't deserve God's blessings in ourselves we couldn't earn them in ourselves is Jesus that purchased them for us. But now how do I take advantage of that which is mine? It's by faith. Romans 4.16 says it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So you see our faith is about access into his blessings into his grace now in a broad sense there are two ways we receive from God one is by manifestations of the Holy Ghost the other is by faith in his word now when it comes to manifestations of the Holy Ghost you can't press a button pull a lever and produce one you can't nobody can it's as the spirit of God wills The best we can do is stay open to the Holy Ghost. And yes, he does manifest himself like I knew. How did I know somebody was having a chest problem? Well, that was a word of knowledge. Spirit of God, whispered it to my heart. Amen. So yes, we have the Spirit of God sometimes moving like that. But this is it. You can't guarantee that there will be a manifestation to meet your need. There may be. There may not be. Those things work mostly among sinners. And baby Christians, they yeah, are supernatural advertisement for the gospel. How is the believer to live? By faith. So it's by faith that we receive the blessings of God. Well, there are two seats here. There are two seats here. I'm not going to sit there, so yeah, it's okay. Praise God. So it's by faith that we appropriate those blessings. That's the primary way we receive from God. John 15:7 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So it's by faith that we receive the blessings of God. Amen. By faith that we receive the blessings of God. Well, number seven. Seventh reason why we say faith is such an all-important Bible subject. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14:23. Romans 14:23. The latter part of that verse. It says, Whatever is not of faith is sin. He that doubted is condemned because he eats not of faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14 23. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So if you, if you, you are either walking in faith or you are walking in sin, right? You don't want to walk in sin, right? So we better get to walking in faith because whatever is not of faith is sin. Well, number eight. Eighth reason why we say faith is such an all-important Bible subject is that faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Hebrews 6 verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2. says, Therefore, uh, uh, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now we notice that in that list, we're told certain things that are the fundamental principles of the teaching of Christ. One of them is faith toward God. So you see, faith is fundamental. Now, very people say, well, faith is just one of the ABCs. We've outgrown that now. I said, really? Anybody here who has a master's in the English language? Anybody like that? Oh, you have a master's in the English language. All right, perfect. How many alphabets now that you are? a master's holder, I guess there are 28 alphabets now. They are no longer 26 because now you have higher learning. Or have they become 30? They are still 26, aren't they? Exactly. You see, we never outgrow the basics. Never. Isn't it? Remember, we're taught the multiplication table, Right? 2 times 1, 2, 2 times 2, 4, 2 times 3, 6, 2 times 4, 8. And some of us, it was, oh my God, when will I be delivered from this stuff? And here you are, you're in Bible school, you're hearing it again. Where have you been delivered? Fear not. Well, my point is this. You know, we were taught that, maybe in primary 3 or primary 2. However, you discover that well, if you're trying to multiply 7,484, By 6,592, it's still the same two, three, four basics, isn't it? See, we never outgrow the basics. Those things become the building blocks that we build whatever we want to build on it, even if it's going to be a superstructure. It has to be built on the same basic building blocks. So it's one of the fundamentals. It's one of the basics. Now, if I were to tell you that now, I'm not telling you, but let's just say I were to tell you that I don't believe in repentance from dead works. Now, I believe in repentance from dead works. But if a fellow were to come and say he doesn't believe in repentance from dead works, what would you think? you will say, that guy is not, he's not sound. Right? He's not a sound minister of the gospel. If a, if a fellow were to come and say he doesn't believe in resurrection of the dead, he'll say, well, maybe he's not even saved. Because it takes believing that Jesus was raised from the dead to be born again. They are basics, isn't it? You see, faith toward God is in that category. One of the half a dozen. One of the six fundamentals. Amen. And we never outgrow them. So, I said number eight, faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Nine, number nine, for God's word to profit us, for God's word to profit us and work effectively in our lives, for God's word to profit us, and work effectively in our lives we need to mix it with faith for god's word to profit us and work effectively in our lives we need to mix it with faith for god's word to profit us and work effectively in our lives we need to mix it with faith hebrews 4:2 hebrews 4:2 says for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word that was preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Amen. They heard the gospel. They heard the word. But it did them no good. Have you ever wondered how two people can sit under the same pastor, be members of the same church, come for the same Sunday morning service, the same perhaps Wednesday, Tuesday, or Thursday midweek service, hear the same things. And then one person's life is moving forward. Another person's life is stagnant. Or is even going backwards. What's making the difference? They're hearing the same thing. Yeah, but they're mixing faith with it to different degrees. So for God's word to profit us and work effectively in our lives, we need to mix faith with it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Paul was talking about bragging on the Thessalonian Christians that when he came to them, the word he preached to them, they did not receive it as the word of man but well, they received it as it really is the word of God. Now notice the latter part of that verse. It says, which effectually works in them that believe. So God's word works effectively in those who believe it. If you don't believe, well, it's not going to work in you. Amen. So for us to get results from God's word, for God's word to bring us profiting, we need to mix faith with it. We need to believe it. It could be God's word about fasting. It could be God's word about prayer. It could be God's word about evangelism. It could be God's word about holiness. God's word on whatever subject. For it to do us any good, we need to mix faith with it. Amen. So faith is vital. Faith is vital. Number 10, 10th reason why we say faith is a very important subject in the Bible. It's by faith that we stand. It's by faith that we stand. It's by faith that we stand. 2 Corinthians 124. 2 Corinthians 124. It says not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. See the same thing in Romans 11:20. It says for thou standest by faith. It's by faith that we stand. Well, if you are not standing, what are you doing? You are falling. Whether you are falling into sin, you are falling sick, you know, you are falling, any kind of fall. You don't want a fall, right? You know, some people talk about falling in love. Maybe that's a good fall. But I found out sometimes it's better to walk into it. (laughs) Amen. You don't want to fall into sin. You don't want to fall to arm-drobbers. You don't want to fall into the hands of ritual killers, you know? You don't want to, you want to stand when the pressures come, when the tests come. And the Bible tells us how to stand. It says, for by faith ye stand. It's by faith that we stand. It's by faith that we stand. Amen. Amen. Well, number 11, number 11, we are kept by the power of God through faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith. So, when it comes to preservation, to being kept, being protected, it's the power of God that keeps us, right? But the Bible says it's through faith unto salvation. That word salvation is soteria, implies the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Amen. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. So, it's through faith that we're kept. Jude 24 says now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his throne with exceeding joy. Romans 14.4 says, Who are thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. For he shall be holding up. For God is able to make him stand. So you see, God keeps us. Amen. He keeps us from evil in this present world. He preserves us. And how does he do it? Through his power. What activates that power, our faith. Amen. First Peter one five. You're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. First Peter chapter one, verse five. First Peter chapter one, verse five. All right, let me do a recap. I notice some people have come so that they don't miss entirely what we said. We're not done yet. But we said number one, that it takes faith to get saved. Amen. Number two, the Christian life is a life of faith. We said, number three, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number four, we said it takes faith to resist the devil. Number five, it's by faith that we receive answers to our prayers. Number six, we appropriate or receive the blessings of God through faith. Number seven, whatever is not of faith is sin. Number eight, faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Amen. Number nine, for God's word to profit us and work effectively in our lives, we are to mix it with faith. Number 10, it's by faith that we stand. Number 11, we're kept by the power of God through faith. Praise God. Well, we're all on the same page now, right? I'm not sure they were able to write that fast. They can look in someone's notes during the break. Well, 12, the only fight, the only fight God has called us to fight is the good fight of faith. The only fight God has called us to fight is the good fight of faith. And you notice it's called a good fight. Why is it called a good fight? Because you know the end from the beginning, right? And what's the end? We win. The only fight we're called to fight is the good fight of faith. It's called a good fight. Why is it called a good fight? Because we win. You know, God never told us to fight sin. If you're fighting sin, it will whip you. Hebrews 9.26 says Jesus put sin away by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus fought sin for me and conquered it. I don't need to fight it. Well, some people are trying to fight Satan. There's no use fighting Satan. You you won't be a match for him. Jesus already defeated Satan for us. Colossians 2.15 And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So what fight then are we to fight? It's just one fight. And what fight is it? The fight of faith. And you notice it's called a good fight, a good fight. See, have you ever been watching a film, and then um, your favorite actor, you know, it was like he was going to be killed, something like that. He was being thrown inside stuff. And then you had your, your heart in your mouth. Oh, what happened to him? I hope he didn't die. I hope he didn't die. Then you just fast forwarded the film to the end and you to see what happened, whether he died, and then you see that he was as, he, at the end of the film he was still alive. Then you said, "I beg." Then you now came back where you were, right? And you now continued watching, so that you don't have high blood pressure, isn't it? You see, you can go to the back of the book and see what happened also. And Revelation 12:11 says, "They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb." and by the word of their testimony. Are you listening to me? You see, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Thanks be on a God who always causes us to triumph. Are you listening to me? So the only fight where the fight is the faith fight, and it's a good fight. Why is it a good fight? We win. Tell your neighbor, we win. We win. Amen. Amen. Number 13. 13th reason. Talking about the importance of faith. The family of God, the family of God is called the household of faith. The family of God is called the household of faith. That's what God's family is called. You know, by the time something is the family name, then it tells you something about that family. Well, what are we called in this family? We're called the household of faith. Galatians 6.10. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. It's our family name. We're called believers. If there's one thing Christians are called more than anything else in the New Testament, it's believers. Because that's what we are. People of faith. We're the household of faith. Amen. God's family Number 13, is called the household of faith. Amen. It's called the household of faith. 14, faith is part of our spiritual ammo. Faith is part of our spiritual ammo. Faith is part of our spiritual ammo. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 1 Thessalonians 5.8 talks about, I'm putting on for a breastplate, the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So you see, faith is spoken of as being a part of the breastplate, the breastplate of faith and love. Ephesians six sixteen, Ephesians six sixteen says above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith each shall be able to quench all the fiery doubts of the wicked one. Now in Hebrews, uh, Ephesians six, if you read from ten through to 17, you know, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 12 says, So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The margin says, "Wicked spirits in the heavenlies. 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins gird about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. Above all, uh, 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 taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we see there that the Roman armor, the Roman soldier, the armor he puts on, is has been used to illustrate something to us. And we notice that faith is a part of that armor. So if we're going to remain undefeated, amen, against the wiles of the devil, and that's why I tell the devil all the time, I dare him, he's hearing me again. I double-dog dare him. He's not big enough. Someone says, you're bragging. Yes, that's what I'm doing, I'm bragging. But I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus. I'm bragging on my matchless heavenly father. I'm bragging on the finished work of redemption. And guess what? He doesn't mind. <laughs> he loves it. See, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God loves it when you brag on him. Amen. See, part of why I can do that is because I have my armor on. Amen. Amen. So, faith is part of our spiritual armor. That was 14. Well, 15. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You see, on this side of heaven, you're going to have the flesh, the world, and the devil to contend with. Yeah. You see. People talk about Canaan, and sometimes they make Canaan sound like Canaan is heaven. Canaan is a type of heaven. Canaan couldn't be a type of heaven. When they got to Canaan, they still had battles to fight. Canaan is not a type of heaven. Canaan is a type of the baptism and the Holy Ghost, divine healing, prosperity, and all the blessings that are ours in Christ. Amen. And you see, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. 1 John chapter 5, 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. It says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. It says, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Verse 5 says, Who is he that overcometh the world? It says, But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Now what's the world? What's the world? What does the Bible mean by the world? 1 John 4 4 says, Ye have godly children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, the context of that, he was talking about Satan and his cohorts, the forces of evil, demons, evil spirits. Amen. The one in us is greater than the one who is in the world. In fact, he brought him to naught, he reduced him to nothing, he defeated him. 1 John 2 15 to 17. First John two fifteen to 17. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It says, For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It says, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So that means we could put it like this. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcomes the lust of the flesh, even our face. This is the victory that overcomes the lust of the eyes, even our face. This is the victory that overcomes the pride of life, even our faith. See, the only way to walk in victory over the flesh, over the world, and over the devil, is to walk in faith. Because our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. That's 15. 16. 16th reason. Why well, we say faith? is a very important Bible subject. Paul Paul told his son, Timothy, Paul told his son, his spiritual son, Timothy, to follow after faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. Paul told Timothy, his spiritual son, he told him to follow after faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. That's 16. 15 was our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 14 was faith is part of our spiritual armor. Thirteen, God's family is called the household of faith. Twelve, the only fight where the fight is a good fight of faith. Eleven, we are kept by the power of God through faith. Ten is by faith that we stand. All right. So we're in 16 now, right? Yes. Yes. And I said that Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, to follow after faith. To follow after faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. Paul Told his spiritual son, Prodigy, in the faith, told him to follow after faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. First Timothy chapter four, verse twelve. First Timothy four twelve said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer, in word, in conversation, in charity, in faith, in spirit, in purity. So he was to be an example of a believer in faith, among other things. You know, he says in word and then conversation. Conversation, there is old English for conduct. How we conduct ourselves, our actions. In word, what he says. In conversation, his conduct. How he carries himself, what he does. In charity, that's talking about love. The word agape, in spirit. The attitude that he displays. Should be a positive one, the attitude of a believer in faith, amen, and in purity. So, among other things, Timothy Mm -hmm. was to be an example of a believer in faith. And that's how not to have your youth despised. You know, young people sometimes feel like the older ones don't accord them any respect and feel like, who are you? What do you know? And just try to push them aside. If you don't want to be a push aside, be an example of a believer. You won't be despised. Your youth will not be despised. Amen. That's the antidote to having your youth despised. Praise God. Timothy was a young man. But Paul told him he was to be an example of a believer in faith. 1 Timothy 4.12. 1 Timothy 6.11. 1 Timothy 6.11. It says, flee these things. O thou man of God, flee these things. Amen. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith. Love or charity. Amen. Patience. Meekness. You notice he was to follow after certain things. And Paul listed six of them. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. One of them was faith. He was to follow after it. The context of it, if you read in verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after have heard from the faith, prayers themselves with many sorrows. He now says, O thou man of God, flee these things. Flee from the love of money. See, God wants us to have money, but he doesn't want money to have us. Amen. You know, there are poor people who love money, just as well as there are rich people who love money. Loving money has nothing to do with having money. They are two different things. Amen. God wants us to have money, but he doesn't want us to be covetous. Amen. Instead, he says, you follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love patience, meekness. Then in 2 Timothy 2.22 2 Timothy two twenty two, Second 2 Timothy 2.22 He said, flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So you notice that faith was mentioned in both lists. So he's to follow after faith. Faith is something we are to be an example of As well as we are to follow after. We are to follow after faith. Follow after faith. Praise God. That's number 16, right? 17, we function. We function in the gifts and endowments. We function in the gifts and endowments that God has placed on our lives. According to the proportion of our faith. We function... In the gifts and endowments that God has placed on our lives according to the proportion of our faith. You know, sometimes we think that, oh, if we just have the power, then we'll have the results. Listen, you can have the power and still not have results. The entire Pentecostal movement has made a big deal on the power of God. And yes, we ought to. But listen, power by itself doesn't work itself, it's faith that gives action to the power. You know we've thought that if only I could just meet a man who is sufficiently anointed, my problems would be solved. You could meet that man and your problems stayed the same. In fact, you could be that man yourself, and your problems stay the same. Amen. You know we think if only I was anointed, if only I had the power of God on me, if only I had more anointing, amen, whatever that means on me, you know, then I will have more results, not necessarily. You may have a stronger anointing and still not have more results. Why do I say that? Romans 12. Romans 12 from verse 6 to 8. Romans 12, 6 to 8. It says, Having therefore gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, it says he that ministers on ministering, he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, we notice that verse 6 says, he that prophesies should do it according to the proportion of his faith. And he's talking about having gifts different. So, regardless of the gift of God that is on your life, the degree to which you will function in that gift is the degree to which you exercise faith. Give a story, you know, maybe two stories. That illustrated Matthew 10, 1. Jesus gave his disciples power against all unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease, right? Then if we go to Matthew 17, of course, Matthew 10 came before Matthew 17, isn't it? Just count 1, 2, 3, 4. You get to 10 before you get to 17, right? Okay. In Matthew 17, if you read from verses 14 to 21, that was when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. So the nine of them were there. Now you notice that it was all 12 that Jesus gave power to cast out devils to, all 12 of them, the nine and the three, all 12 of them. Now the three were gone, so the nine were left. Now there came this um, man who had a son that uh, an evil spirit was tormenting, would throw him inside the fire, throw him inside the water, you know. And then the man brought his son to those nine disciples. But lo and behold, they could not cast out the devil. Question, why couldn't they cast out the devil? Was it because they didn't have the power? They did. They did. Matthew 10.1 tells us. Luke 9.1 tells us. Jesus gave them the authority as well as the power. So they had the power. They had the anointing. But still, they did not succeed. Then in Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20, they came to Jesus and said, why could not we cast out that devil? And Jesus' response in verse 20 said because of your unbelief. He said, for if you have faith as a, like a grain of mustard seed you say to this mountain, "Remove hence to yonder place," and it shall remove. He said, "And nothing shall be impossible to you." So you see, even though they had the power, they didn't get results. Strange, right? You can have the power and not have results. You can be anointed and not have results. It takes mixing faith with the power. Acts chapter 6 verse 8, it says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, all the seven that they chose were full of the Holy Ghost. If they were full of the Holy Ghost, they were full of power. Acts 1, tells us that. But yet, we only read of one person doing miracles and wonders, at least in that chapter. And who was that? Stephen. Why? Because in addition to being full of the Holy Ghost, he also had another ingredient. He was full of faith. He mixed faith with the power and he got results. Praise the Lord. We have a few announcements for us. Amen. Praise God. The next session will start in about 10 minutes. Let's put our hands together for our campus coordinator for this Abuja campus. Thank you, sir. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on or 08076576163